Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 278, covering Retrospect and The Killing Game, Part 1, with Brian Lynch. Hi, friends. It's... Welcome to this post-atomic horror podcast. Brian uh, has joined us. We have a we have a super problematic episode. Uh huh. I don't want it. Who better to discuss a super problematic, uh, very much a women's issue show than three dudes? Uh huh. Amanda, Mal, yeah, help anyone. us, Caitlin, Tedro, somebody. Oh. Well, I just figured it Mal specifically asked that I listen to headphones, that I put headphones in when I watch this episode, so. It's super problem. And she was right to do it. Yeah. yeah. Now, we have we have been abuzz on Twitter all week about this. If you follow any of us, you'll know that the episode retrospect is chock-a-block full of problems. Well, if this episode's taught us anything, it's that the most important thing about rape is how it affects men. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. It's okay. I thought about this. It's not the worst episode I've seen, but it may be the most offensive episode I've seen. Uh, absolutely. And I, I, I do remember uh, Profit and Lace, and it's way more offensive than that. Yeah, no, Profit and Lace is bad. At like I don't want to stupid. Yeah. No, there was some genuinely. No, no, Turnabout Intruder was yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. No, was, Profit and Lace. It wasn't was just stupid. stupid. Profit and Lace had some genuinely problematic stuff in it, but yeah, I mean, but this, even uh, this is. Let fucking, me let me tell you. Let me lay it on you. Yeah, and just, believe me, I was I was delighted to draw the straw to uh-huh. fucking summarize this one. Let Uncle yeah, Al learn us something. Here we go. So Voyager is meeting with another race of half-assedly designed aliens. This time to buy some weapons to facilitate their passage through the rest of Herogen space, and who knows what lies beyond that. Seven, who is still grounded after last week's shenanigans, and only on this ship can sh- sending a sentient life form off to its certain doom be considered shenanigans. Reluctantly agrees to help Kevin, the lead trader guy. No, seriously, his name is Kevin. Uh, okay, it's Coven, but that's basically Kevin. Does it sound like I'm stalling right now, fixating on tiny, insignificant details early in the story? Because that's exactly what I'm doing. Here's the thing. By Act 2, the story takes a serious turn into some super uncomfortable thematic territory. Seriously, seriously uncomfortable. Like, if you ask me to compose a list of the top one thing I'd rather not discuss on this comedy podcast I co-host, that list in its entirety would be... Rape. And yet, the show goes there. I initially wrote that it boldly went there, but there isn't anything bold about it, or tasteful for that matter. You see, Kevin strapped Seven down and stole some Borg nanoprobes from her, intending to use them as a weapon of some kind. Their doctor helps her recover her memory of this, and it's very much framed the way you'd clumsily frame a rape story. Nobody believes her. People make horrible insinuations that she could have prevented it somehow. It's all pretty terrible. But then, then, it turns out that maybe she didn't even remember what happened correctly, and maybe they were just hounding this poor swim team star, sorry, alien arms trader, for no reason and ruining his life. This made me profoundly uncomfortable, but I was prepared for it to be just the requisite Act 4 obstacle that gets resolved in the final act, except that never happened. No, they end up killing Kevin and when uh making Seven feel bad for it because he probably didn't do anything to her after all. Sure, this is where you want to leave things ambiguous. Maybe she just made the whole thing up and we shouldn't trust a woman when she says that someone violated her. Nice message, Voyager. Real fucking classy. It's okay, though, because when the Doctor gets some character development and there's one thing we definitely want in a rape allegory, it's for the focus to move to the man who is betrayed by the lying so-called victim. Because they're the real heroes. Yeah, fuck this episode to death. Trek. <sighs> Just like you could, uh, I'm watching this and Mal's sitting next to me, like playing Minecraft or whatever across the now, room. Did you did you happen to see us? Like, did you get the warning because we had been tweeting about it earlier? Oh no, I was aware of what was going on. I got okay. the warning as I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. I was watching no. I'm it sure. Suddenly it was happening, and then it kept happening, and then it's, it got worse. I'm like, what? The if fuck? you look at your notes, you can see the dawning realization of what the fuck is going on, and it's terrible. Yeah. Because I'm like, are they going there? Are they really going Seriously? There? They've gone there. And they're going further there. Uh-huh. It's just... Seriously, if it had been... If they'd 
towed up to the line and then said, no, but she was right and this was horrible. I still would have hated it, but that would have been something. It would have at least it. been a recovery. No, that's yeah. the that, that's the the worst thing is that this the moral of this of this uh, episode is women lie. Yeah. Or sometimes they're just wrong, you know, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you want to take away from your your woman gets raped episode mm-hmm. is the woman. <laughs> those crazy women, they don't know what's going on. Now, let's be clear. There was no sexual aspect to this. No. They rape. We're throwing that around because it definitely had that vibe. No, but, but the thing is, there literally like, there was no rape. They like we're saying that because that is how the episode sets itself up. It makes oh, it very, very clear that that they is what is happening. Violated. So many yes. times I should have started a little counter. It was like, he yeah. violated you. You were violated. This was a oh. violation. You violated her. Oh, saying it over and over like it's a freaking soap opera. Oh, absolutely. Brian, are you talking about the scene where the doctor has to tell Seven why she should be mad that she was raped? Oh, yeah. She doesn't get it until then. It has to be explained to her and like spelled out to her. And then he's got to talk her down because, oh, I was wrong. I guess you shouldn't get mad because maybe it didn't happen. But it's OK. I'm the hero and I'll figure it out. <laughs> Thankfully, oh, Tuvok was around to let us know that recovered oh. memories can be faked. Thanks, Tuvok. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. when he says that, the doctor very logically and very rationally says, in cases where recovered memories have been shown to be false, we're talking about suppressed memories from decades in the past, not memories from yesterday that were blocked by technology. Because he looks in Seven's head and says, wait a minute, here's a thing that's blocking some of your memories and takes it out with science. It's not like right. he just used psychiatric mumbo-jumbo. Mm-hmm. He clipped and, a thing onto yet, her head. And yet, even after he does that, they still leave it ambiguous, like maybe it happened, maybe it didn't, we're not going to clarify that. Yeah, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's not important, but you have a psychic character who can tell when someone's lying or not, and not once in this episode does anyone even think about using that. No, it it honestly, I didn't exaggerate a thing because I really wanted to, like, when I'm mad about something, I want the listeners to understand what I'm mad about and yeah. not exaggerate or make anything up. I want to present mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. And this is what happened. And they spend the last, you know, uh, quarter of the episode trying to, to chase down this guy who's run off uh-huh. because he might die because, uh, because of this false accusation. And they're worried about his well-being. Yep. And like... Wow, I can't believe you you accused him of this, Seven. You've ruined his life. Yep. And it's oh That fucking scene at the end when she walks into the doctor's office is just like, I feel terrible about this guy dying. Because I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, you shouldn't feel terrible. He was a weapons profiteer and a terrible actor. <laughs> so at the, ver- with, at the with very eight, least of that. With 18 nostrils, Brian. With 18 mm-hmm. nostrils. So many nostrils. Well, there were. It was like a little like no spine. It was. It was. Uh, yeah. Well, I, there were definitely extra holes in it. Yeah, was no. That that, uh, that uh, freaking giant virus episode. Because uh, I, I, mac- I remember that one. Yeah. When when I when I when I was watching that one and I noticed that the aliens had extra nostrils and I thought it was a neat touch. That's because it wasn't the only thing they had. Mm-hmm. This just looked like they got carried away with a bajoran and just ran with it. Yep. <laughs> Whoops. Ah, you're fine. Yeah. He's okay. like a Bajoran Let's... went to a boardwalk caricaturist. <laughs> I'll be like roller skating. <laughs> they drew me in a little car. I don't even have my learner permit. I don't give a damn about your skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Now I desperately want to see a caricature. Uh, a, caric- a caricature? Yeah. Caricature? Of, uh, caricature. Uh, of, uh, of Kira. And what are you interested in? Well, um, being a terrorist. All right. <laughs> I'm going to draw you on a sailboat. <laughs> Uh, remember Kira? I miss Kira. All right, guys, the rest of this episode is now Kira goes to the boardwalk. Ah, that's fine. I'm going to bring you a big stuffed animal. Like like shooting the water gun into the clown's mouth and all that stuff. Come on, come on, Kira, we're going on the, uh, we're going on the uh, Ferris wheel. Throwing Cisco's baseball at at some stacked up bottles. Oh, so much better. Cisco running the guess your weight machine. (laughs) Oh, man, no. All I want to seven. I don't know. <laughs> All I want to see is Quark running one, running one of those knock the bottles down games. <laughs> and, and you know, obviously, no one could ever win. Yeah, exactly. Ah, you wanted you wanted to take another shot at it. Yeah, Quark. Felix for him. Yeah, no, it, Quark was Quark was always hard. I'm really gonna get it this time, brother. Oh no, he'd be the step right up, brother. Step right up. <laughs> Quark, are you running a crooked sideshow game? Well, I mean, I'm a Ferengi. If I was running a straight sideshow game, that would be crooked, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh. I love you, Quark. <laughs> oh. 
Let's watch that show instead. Yep. No, we got to talk about this. <sighs> we we got to really dissect this. We we so do that, we do. So yeah. um, and again, I thought I really did think that maybe Amanda or or one of our other lady guests could could switch places with Brian. But then I thought, you know what? We got to talk about this, and it feels. It feels a little cowardly to kind of run away from it. Like, yeah, yeah, we're dudes and we need to handle this sensitively and we're going to try. And I think we all have good heads on our shoulders here. So we're going to try our best. Uh But I didn't want to run away from this. I really want to, like, face this and talk about it because it needs to be talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So that said, let's start with bad things. Brian, what do you got? Okay, well, I've got uh, here we go. Um, my bad thing. Uh, I forgot to make one. Uh, you'll see when I say my wow. good thing why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I genuinely didn't realize until if you heard the sound of typing a couple of minutes ago. That's why, because I forgot to make a bad thing. So oh, here, yeah, bad thing. It's, it's super kind of a given that there's bad things. <laughs> it's super nitpicky. So I'm gonna we're gonna start off with a very small one. But when they're showing the flashback and Seven is getting um you know dissected, um they take the eyebrow thing off. And she says, they removed my ocular implant. Well, that's not an ocular implant. That's a thing on your eyebrow. The ocular implant is her fake eye. If mm. they took that out, then she would just have an eye socket there. They took off her supraorbital implant. So, yeah, that's nitpicky, but, you know, it's there. Fuck also, this episode. why did they yeah. never bring up the fact that she's got a robot eye? Yeah. You'd think it would have come up at least once by now, but every time they got to do something to her vision, they play with her eyebrow thingy instead. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, she must, right? She has... Better. She has like a, like she had a Borg eye before. She doesn't. Oh yeah, no. There's a scene where the doctor builds her a new eye and is very proud of the thing. I think it's a real eye now, but I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe they cloned her a new eye, like Jordy. I don't know. No, Jordy had uh, robot eyes when they did close-ups on them. They had little circuits and shit. No, by by Nemesis, he had he had real eyes. But he was blind. Yeah, like he was blind, and like I think his eye, you know, like something in the mechanism of his eye or his brain or something didn't work. Whereas she just didn't have an eye. Yeah. until LeVar so Burton I, said, enough is enough. I'm not wearing any shit on my face anymore. Yeah, no, then I'm pu- growing a mustache. Except, so fuck <laughs> the only thing I'm wearing on the face is this stylish mustache. <laughs> yeah. Which basically is what she's got over her eyes. Like a, a, <laughs> a stylish mustache. mustache. My mechanical yeah. mustache. Right. Which incidentally uh, is my uh, Portland-based steampunk band. Excellent. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, we have similar bad things, but they're definitely room for both of us. So you go ahead first. All right. So there, um, there's a scene in the Family Guy crossover, or Family Guy Simpsons crossover that came out a couple of years ago, where uh, you have Bart and Stewie making the traditional prank calls to Mo. You know, so Bart makes a couple, and then Stewie takes the phone and then yells into it, "Hey, Mo, your sister's been raped." And then he hangs up and laughs. And that was when I realized that I never, ever, ever want to see Bart Simpson and the word rape in the same place. Um, I'm telling the story because I also don't want it in my Star Trek concepts the same. Um, Trek's done rape uh, stories a couple of times before, and they've always been, uh, the worst things in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, you know, from Captain Kirk's evil half trying to rape Yeoman Rand and Spock suggesting that she might be into it in one of the worst things to ever happen in the original series, to Counselor Troy getting multi- getting mind-raped once a season, I would say. Yeah, it was like nah, it I was, think it happened three times, but it was still a lot. Yeah, like it happened as many times as Barkley showed up. So yeah, which <laughs> like, and we can do that because those aren't real. But this episode really takes the cake because it takes our crew, a crew I have talked about as recently as last week about how I've really grown to like, despite there being flaws in actual episodes, like I like these characters. I like Janeway. I like uh, Balana. I like. Pretty much everyone except for, you know, our usual band, the usual band of idiots. I, at this point, I think the, it's just Neelix and Special Boy we don't like. Yeah, well, and, and Chuck. And Chuck. And Chuck. I yeah, forgot okay. about him. The three you, you forgot about him because he's Chuck. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. Uh, but we have these guys, these guys that I really like as characters, n- not believe Seven. It's yeah. absolutely reprehensible. To have Kate suggest that Seven might be making it up, to have Tuvok suggests that she might be wrong to have, like, just imagined it. To end this episode with Seven doubting herself is the most disgusting and insulting and completely offensive thing I can imagine. How dare you, Star Trek? And how dare your asshole writers pat themselves on the back for a job well done? You should all be fucking ashamed of yourselves. And that's really where my bad thing <laughs> Which brings from. us to... Yeah. Brian Fuller had a hand in writing this episode. Brian Fuller and staff writer Lisa Klink. So... Brian Fuller, who uh, 
well regarded. Like I've watched many of his other series. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for Hannibal, but I it was well done for what it was, and I, I know a lot of people who liked it, including I believe you, Brian. Yes, uh, uh, Matt too. Oh, I didn't realize you'd seen it. At the oh point. no, it's okay. fucking great. Okay. I, I didn't care for it, but a lot of people speak highly of it. I have like I love both of his other shows too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought he did three. Did, he did Dead Like Me. He did the oh yeah, Wonderfalls. Yeah, yeah, Wonderfalls. You're thinking of Wonderfalls. And then uh, and then Wonderfalls. I yeah. forgot about Dead Like Me. He only did the first season, and he did that uh, right. Monster special that I was hoping would be. Oh a yeah, I like that. Oh, that was fucking uh, great too. Yeah, that was with really Eddie good. Art and and so on. Yeah, no, I, everything I've liked just about everything he's done, or at least respected everything that he's done. But and and. He usually gets credit from me for being like progressive. He's talked about in the new series. He wants there to be more women and mm-hmm. more LGBTQ representation and all this stuff. And it's like, great, good. But he wrote this and he wrote it with a woman. Mm-hmm. And neither of them seem to have a problem with any of the themes in this. No. Like at all. And I'm not saying like as a woman, she should just automatically know. No, but as a one of the few women writing a high-profile sci-fi series, maybe be aware of women's issues. Yeah. Maybe, like, it might not be fair to saddle you with that, but I'm sorry, that's just part of the, the what goes with it. You, mm-hmm. you gotta be conscious of, like, you're speaking for a lot of women here. Be aware of what this sends to them, and what it sends to them is gross. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially in a show that made a huge point of having a woman captain. Yeah. Like a great woman captain. A great woman captain. Like And a show that's done a good job of introducing a sexy character and not just making her a sexy character, but giving her some depth and making her interesting and likable. She's mm-hmm. one of our favorite guys. So yeah. But like that that the point of Seven, like from a marketing standpoint, was to get more people to watch because of the pretty lady. But well, the yeah. writers picked it up and ran with it, and the actor picked it up and ran with it, and they made her someone interesting that isn't just like a nice pair of long legs and big boobs, but she's actually an interesting character. Yeah, she is. She's very quickly become one of my favorite characters. I yeah. fucking love Seven to death. So, like, this show's done pretty well by women so far until now. Uh-huh. And it's just, come on, man. It's He he pats himself on the back. Brian Fuller says, like, we wrote, yeah, we wrote, we basically wrote a rape story without the rape. I mean, I, I, technically there was no sexual violation in that no one penetrated her with a sexual organ but that's where the similarity like that's where yeah yeah the, like you said the frame it's barely more than clear yeah yeah i was it thinking really when i was watching it it and this this sounds this is a really horrible thing to say but it might have been better if she actually was you know sexually assaulted um because at least then they wouldn't have this they, there was this smug tone over the entire episode of like we're being so Star Trek clever yeah. by doing our little allegory. Ah, yeah. aren't we so great? You got raped. Oh, with nanoprobes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and they they were like so like you could smell the back padding in the episode yeah. itself. No, and and Star like, Trek does that a lot with their allegorical stuff. If mm. they had Here at it was least less appropriate than ever. This was the most blatant thing since Frank Gorshin is black on one side and white on the other. <laughs> That's yeah. the level of you know. Freaking yeah. intro to allegory 101 we're dealing yeah. with here. And so if they actually had add a sexual element to it, at least they'd be addressing it head on. And then I thought, well, no, that would make the conclusion. This was, I was only three quarters of the way through the episode. So right. I had the same hope you did that it was going to end with vindication. And also they'd probably just start talking about how she's walking around wearing that skin tight thing. And <sighs> That's another thing, by the way, is the fact that we make such a big deal about this being like, you know, this is a, this is a rape th- thing and then we still have seven just hanging around in that uniform it's really just like it makes things even worse somehow uh at least they changed, I'll, t- I'll tell you this they changed the color and that did wonders for it because the silver one that she had for her first few episodes that was just obnoxious about it mm. but the, the she got that this brown one and does she's got a purple one too or something uh the brown one's the one we see the most oh, the brown one? Okay, yeah but like they one, they but... they're darker like they don't like they're not being as blatant about it. They're still, I mean, I, look, I'm not saying they're trying very hard, but. No, it's just, it's the fact that they still, like, like, it It just feels like, like, af- even after what happened, they're still dressing her, like, making her dress up like that. Mm-hmm. Is how it felt See, to me. It know, felt really if upsetting. They, if she'd suddenly started dressing like a school marm after this happened, I think that might have been worse. Yeah, that wouldn't have been good. I don't know. It's there's no there's no good way out of this. Man. At least the whole thing like, is we just, could change well, one thing she, and it's all okay. Yeah. She got to take the corset off in the next episode, so that's something at least. The whole thing is just upsetting and makes me angry. And it made me like I seriously like 
I've seen worse episodes in terms of like this on, on a very fundamental level. This was structured and written in a linear way, and you know what I mean. Like it was, it was competent. Yeah, it had it like terrible. A clear act one, act two, act three pile of right, garbage. exactly. But but in terms of being like offensive mm-hmm. just like and i don't really like it's not a political correctness thing or whatever it's just a it offends you as a human yeah it's star trek is supposed to be better than this yeah it is i mean i would be offended if i had to see this on like a csi show or something but like on star trek come yeah. on man and for the writers not to 20 years later say, yeah, I'm kind of ashamed we wrote that. That was for, that came from a bad place and we should never have done that. They never yeah. said anything like that. No, it, whoopsie. Yeah, we did a good job. We're really um, breaking really down boundaries. Lid. and Yeah, really. Well, what, one of the quotes was we really blew the lid off this whole uh, uh, false memories thing. Well, fuck you to death. And again, maybe that's a real thing. I think it probably is. But that's not like when you do this story, that's not what you want to focus on. Take mm-hmm. that, the kids from Spotlight. I don't know. I'm gonna assume that's a great it's a reference, movie. The one that won many Oscars, so ah, <laughs> best picture. Well, well yeah, I, I don't. I, I I know Star Trek. That's about. Well, it. I haven't watched the Oscars since It's a Forrest very Gump good movie sweet. about uh, the Catholic Church's shenanigans and the reporters who. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> you want to talk about people who actually blew the lid off of something? Mm. Those guys. Um, but well. uh, yeah, so you know, suppressed memories come up in it, and uh, they correctly say uh, sometimes, but. That's mostly something that people say when they want to, you know, make somebody who's telling the truth look like they're crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I believe that's called gaslighting, is it not? Yes. Similar, yes. I believe I um, use that I believe I use that term in term in my summary. I th- or in my I think, uh, thing I think, somewhere. I think I mentioned this already, but I'm gonna mention it again because I'm so angry I'm not remembering. That mm. when they bring up suppressed memories, the doctor correctly says Yep. When yeah. suppressed memories have been shown false, I know I did say this now, I'm remembering it, but That's I'm okay. going to repeat it anyway. It's stuff that happened in the distant past, like we're talking 20, 30 years ago, and it was a traumatic event that's getting confused in people's memories. Yeah. This is something that happened yesterday, and, and in fact, we you did get the episode. memories back by putting a thing on her head that takes away the memory blocker. We did an episode, like, in one of her first appearances where she had suppressed memories from her original abduction by the oh, boar. and don't they bring that up here? They say, like, oh, Seven's yeah. hallucinated before. Yeah, Tuvok brings it up in a great scene featuring Tuvok, another character I quite like. Boy, I'm super yeah. cranky about him. Yeah, Tuvok, I, not. Incidentally, I realized watching um, Ship in a Bottle that he has one line, one word in the entire episode. <laughs> he says, Romulans, and that's it. And, uh... Then uh, seeing this one, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, look at you well, making up for lost time. Romulans. I mean, All right, Tim Russ out. I'll see you guys later. I'm going home. I mean, I in the next episode, Neelix showed up. I'm like, oh, yeah, Neelix wasn't in the last one. Usually I'm happy about that. Mm. <laughs> oh, there's a good Here thing. I didn't even notice. So, yeah, did 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 you guys, any of you manage to find good things? Brian, how about you? Here's Here's my good thing. There are no good things. And I don't mean in this episode. I mean in the entire season because this episode erased them. Message in a Bottle was terrible now. Year of Hell was only five minutes long and they were the last five minutes. Mortal Coil was now about Neelix challenging Harold to a yodeling contest. Oh, wait, you know what? Balana defended Seven with an honest account of events because she may not like her, but she's a goddamn professional. So that's something. All right. She, yeah, when she the guy's like head out from behind that fri- refrigerator box and said, "You know what? I'm gonna help you." <laughs> the guy, the guy was, um, uh, you know, reached out and touched Seven's arm, and then because of her artificially suppressed memories, she freaked out and knocked him to the ground. Right. And the guy's like, "She rushed up and attacked me." And Belana's like, "Uh, fucking no! You grabbed her arm and tried to push her to the side. Right. Don't you fucking even try it, because Belana, she's a good person." Yeah, Belana's pretty great. And, uh, yeah, sure, she said this while she was, you know, sitting down in a chair with a bowling ball on her lap. <laughs> Actually, they they haven't even, well, in the next episode, we'll see they have a very interesting way of covering she it. Was oh, sta- yeah, she we'll, was uh, we'll standing behind the that. fence like Wilson on Home Improvement. <laughs> but I've noticed in the last few, they're literally not even bothered. They're just shooting her, like, they're just framing the shots tighter so they don't. you don't even see, like, from her chest down. Yeah. It's all just close-ups on her face from now on. Yep. Like, no up. wide shots at all. So you don't notice that she's become, uh, hold on, I can do this, Roxanne Biggs' bosom. It's <laughs> pretty good. That's a pretty good one. That wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah, that was actually. Matt, what do you got? Pass. All right. I will actually, there was, like, 
because as we said a minute ago, my notes were sort of a descent into, hey, this is okay. Oh, no, that's not. Like at the beginning, I was enjoying some pieces of it. Mm. And one of those pieces was uh, they were negotiating with these uh, arms trader guys. And, and I do like that. It's something we've talked about before where Voyager has to go out to, to different civilizations and trade for new technology and supplies and stuff. And we, in general, as a concept, we like that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're trading with this guy, this this creepy abducted. Kevin, uh, yeah, Kevin, Coven, um, and uh, and and there's a cute little negotiation scene where he's like twenty and she's like fifteen, and it's it's it doesn't I it, I can't do it justice by trying to to reenact it. No, but, but I don't. I didn't love that scene. Um, no, I did. I just felt I, I felt like it was very standard, like how to write a negotiation scene. But I do agree that Kate played it very well. Like, oh no, 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 that's the thing. In the writing, yeah. it was standard. It was totally yeah. straightforward. But she's got this great sort of. It honestly reminds me of when Shatner is kind of being a little playful. She's got a similar vibe, where she's got a smirk and she's really self satisfied. She's really like, I'm gonna be funny now. But now no, I'd like actually, to challenge you to a well. game of fizzbin. <laughs> exactly. Never played Fizzbin before. Oh, you're gonna love it. <laughs> but she does it well, whereas Shatner doesn't do it well. No. Uh, so yeah, I actually I I thought she was good in that, mm-hmm. and then she super disappointed me later when I thought she would be the one person that would rush to Seven's you know side, and she didn't. Well, and then there's the great scene where she's talking about how she's all like, "Oh, and I I wanted to believe Seven. I wanted to, her to think she was included in a part of this family." But I called her a fucking liar straight to her face, so whatever. Yep. But she didn't have two male witnesses. <sighs> so I guess everyone has to have a chaperone now. Uh, no, she did. Tom Paris. Yeah. I, in fairness, he didn't do anything awful. Uh, I, I got this, though. Um, so they had to send somebody down to test out the hand weapons on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why Seven of Nine and Tom Paris? Why not, you know, Tuvok? Yeah, no, that's a fair point. The weapons guy on the ship? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point, I suppose. I, I At this point, I... Uh, and I I'm, do like that they were like, we sent Tom to take a look at the weapons. I was on hand to give a more objective assessment. And it's like, mm-hmm. Jamie's like, Tom, go test the weapons. Oh, no, wait, he's just going to go, woo this blows stuff up real good. <laughs> Which he did. <laughs> uh, maybe Tuvok was busy? I don't know. Maybe he had to say Romulans. <laughs> he was playing Jenga with Harry. Yeah, there you go. That scene you mentioned right in the beginning. training for the yodeling contest. Exactly. Now, that scene at the beginning that you were talking about when when, uh, Cat and uh, uh, What's-His-Face are haggling, there's a large, balding lieutenant in the background who I immediately identified as Lieutenant Dumps. (laughs) (laughs) And I bet if you go back and watch that scene again, you'll be able to pick him up pretty quickly. I do not recommend watching that scene again, though. I'm not gonna. In fact, that brings me to my quote, which I don't have one. Because I would, I none jumped out at me on the first viewing, and I don't want to watch it again to... Uh, yeah. Uh, in that case, I'll just uh, play a quote right here. Uh, it goes like so. Lieutenant Dumps, you have the con. There we go. Wow, that's from the show, huh? That's, yeah. That was from the show. It was a deleted scene mm. uh, featuring yeah. Lieutenant Dumps. He's the new Ensign Sadsack. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lieutenant Dumps. Who's Whatever been tra- happened to Ensign Sadsack anyway? According to Twitter, he's been trapped in a bag for a year. <laughs> yeah, but like, is he in the Delta Quadrant or is he like... He's Hard got to say. He's, he's got, 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 he just got out of the bag and he seems to have okay. uh, memory loss. I don't know. Fair enough. I, how do I know? Maybe memory loss would <laughs> not be the best thing mm. right now. Just saying. Oh, uh, good point. <laughs> All right. Any Anything else? This episode um, makes us very angry. I'm just gonna just real quick go through my notes, see if there's anything. Uh, Oh yeah, they said right at the start, like, how about we send Seven of Nine? She's been behaving herself lately. And I'm like, first of of all, really fucking patronizing thing to say. Second of all... uh, In the context of this episode, it's terrible. In the context of how last week ended, where she basically told her she was grounded, it actually wasn't that bad. That means that by the time Janeway said that, within the first five minutes of the episode, it has been, in viewer time, five minutes since she mm. initially got punished. Right. So, that's... it's pretty. Oh, you know what? There was one thing that I actually liked. Yeah? The doctor's describing different types of therapy, mm-hmm. and he talks about how human therapy involves a lot of talking and discussion, and the betazoid therapy involves isolation and meditation. 
And I thought that was neat, because Betazoids are always in each other's heads. Yeah. And so their version of therapy would be being alone and clearing it out. Yeah, let, like, me, let me listen to my own thoughts for a change. Yeah. Get yours out of my head. That, that sounds like, yeah, you know, that's that's, cool. that, that shows a little thought was put yeah. into it. So there you go. I was, well, I was wondering where that thought went in this episode. I'm glad you found it. I, um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you first. I was going to say my, one mine's, other. Mine's a very final thought thing. Ah. Uh, one other tiny good thing, although it's kind of a mixed bag, I suppose. I did like the grainy look of the uh, of the memories of the flashbacks. Like, oh, usually yeah, yeah, Star Trek look. doesn't differentiate the film quality of its flashbacks, and mm. I kind of like that device. Or they'll just do, like, the Vaseline filter a little or whatever. Yeah. No, this was, like, a little, I think a blue filter, and it was a little grainy, and it was good. Except that is also then meant to make us wonder if it's real. Yeah. Mm. Which, so it's kind of a dual-edged sword there. Like, I like it as a, as a device. I do not like it as an implication that she made all this up. Uh, what were you gonna say, Brian? Uh, just that I was—I uh, watched a couple episodes with my younger brother um, the other day, and uh, we watched one. This is not until the uh, sixth season, um, but it said Brian Fuller at the beginning, and he goes, "Oh, Brian Fuller," and uh, I said, "Don't get too excited." Yeah, hold, hold on. Um, but so I, far, I've been pretty impressed with what he's done, but not anymore. Yeah. I did promise him that I would relate his observation that it would be really neat if um, the series started out with Janeway saying, "These are the Enterprises of the Starship Voyager." <laughs> So there you go. All right. There's your other Lynch brother cameo. <laughs> the mysterious sir? third Lynch brother. Is this sir not appearing in this podcast? But uh, I assume I'll show up in like a not well-received X-Men miniseries someday. <laughs> All right. So uh, pushing forward finally away from retrospect. Yeah, please. Almost. Please forever. And on to part one of what apparently is a two-parter, The Killing Game. Brian, take it away. Uh, you know, you know. I was just thinking about the Weeping Angels. You know, the Doctor Who villains, how the uh, first time they showed up, they had this neat hook and they were kind of mysterious, but in each subsequent appearance, they had to go into more and more detail on how they work and stuff, and so they tried to make the stories featuring them bigger and bigger, and eventually they just started making no sense. I don't know why I was thinking about that. Oh, anyway, the Herosian are back. <laughs> So we're in a real uh, escape to the House of Mummies part two situation here as we <coughs> skip that, that was just for you <laughs> as we skip the previously on and jump straight into the and now the continuation. The Herosian have taken over Voyager somehow and expanded the holodecks to cover more than half the ship. They're using historical simulations drawn from the Voyager computers to hunt the crew using neural interfaces to brainwash them into believing that they are the simulated characters. This project is the brainchild of the Herosian captain, male Herosian captain, <coughs> whose crew is none too happy that they're being forced to LARP instead of actually hunting, especially the first officer, Commander Cranky Saurus. Captain H's favorite simulation, which he's dropped most of the Voyagers in, is Call of Duty 2, which is set in a little town in France, where the captain is running Kate's Café American. She don't stick her neck out for nobody, except she's also the leader of La Resistance, so she does. Seven is her lounge singer, because Jerry Ryan apparently has a Nichelle Nichols clause in her contract. Tuvok is the bartender, Blonde is an employee, and Neelix is the local boulanger sous la bicyclette. If I gave Neelix any thought, I'd probably despise him. <coughs> Tom and Chuck are American soldiers several miles away where they get a little subplot, because the holodeck makes no fucking sense. Tom wants to get back to the girl he left behind when he was in France. Sometimes the problems of two people don't amount to a plate of gach in this crazy world. I guess they were separated about eight and a half months ago because Belana's character is in the family way, which means Roxanne Riggs Murtaugh can finally stop carrying laundry baskets everywhere. Wait, a hologram baby? Holodecks make no sense. Captain Hiroshin's plan, which is to heal the crew every time they almost die, also makes no sense. And he's spending all his time sipping wine in France. This leads to some conflict among the Hiroshin, because most of the party wants to storm the brigands' hideout and roll initiative already, but Captain DM isn't going to let them until they talk to every damn NPC at the tavern. <laughs> On the outside, Voyager is staffed by a skeleton crew featuring the Doctor and Harold, presumably because the Herosian wanted to make sure the specialist boy on the ship was doing their repairs. They spared no expense. Things are getting hairy in World War II. The Neelix character is killed, although they haven't decided if he committed suicide or died trying to escape. In sickbay, the Doctor and Harold manage to use Seven's Borg stuff to disable her Herosian stuff a short while after she dopples back into the program. Unfortunately, this happens just in time to make her look really suspicious on the night of the raid on Nazi headquarters. Janeway is shocked, shocked to find espionage going on in this establishment, and is about to shoot her when her doohickey is also shut off. The doctors discovered the Americans invade, and an explosion, combined with the lack of safety protocols in the expanded holodeck, blows a hole right into the ship's hallway. Watch it, Herosian. It looks like your are about to become a deadlier reality. This week on Deep Space Nine, O'Brien teaches Bashir how to gamble and Worf risks his career to save the life of Dax. <laughs> Bet he felt pretty silly about that a couple of weeks later. Too soon? 
<laughs> more like too late. <laughs> I gotta say that the the one thing that this episode had going for it was I have never in my life been more relieved to see Nazis. Uh huh. Oh, <laughs> which is pretty bad <laughs> about retrospect. <laughs> I'm gonna oh, tell goodness, Nazis. This is gonna be so bad. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I am so fucking done with seeing Nazis in SS uniforms. I'm so tired of it. You mean aliens? Uh, and aliens. SS or yeah, a- aliens in SS uniforms. I'm fucking done. Oh, see, when you said that, I thought you actually were into it. No, no, I'm fucking so fucking done with it. I've seen it a million times. Yep. Honestly, if if you go to Memory Alpha, that was the number one reason Braga wanted this episode because he wanted the uh, the image he had in his head was an alien in a, in a Nazi uniform. Oh well, an original idea from Brandon Braga. What a shock. Uh, yes, I, I don't know. I don't think of it as a trope. I mean, I'm sure it's been done a lot, but it doesn't I don't know, doesn't The bother. one I the just... one that really sticks out in my mind is the the demon supremacists on Angel. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they were like no, we have I mean, to kill every demon lot, that just... has human blood, which is pretty funny because the previous season on Buffy we saw what a pure demon looks like and it wasn't these guys. <laughs> right. Well, you know. These guys just had football heads. <laughs> Ooh, we're not talking head. about that show. <laughs> no, not right. No, you're talking I... about Hey Arnold, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that episode where Hey Arnold had to fight Nazi aliens? That was weird. That was a weird one. I don't know what Hey Arnold is. <laughs> Are you guys talking about the 90s again? Oh, yeah, only, we're totally talking only about the 90s. 90s kids, Al. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know, this show's from the 90s, too, so... Uh, yeah. Retrospect is you guys' fault. 90s and... kids love Hey Arnold and Voyager. Uh-huh. Power Rangers, Pogs, and Nazis dressed like aliens. And uh, Sorry, wait, the other way around. And Pokemon. <laughs> don't forget Pokemon. Oh, yeah, Al, do you still want me to explain Pokemons to you? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm better off not knowing, I think. See, um, they're monsters that live in your pocket. No, I, I still don't <laughs> need to know. It's one of those things, like, I, I, for a long time, I never heard the Macarena, and I was very proud of that. It's <laughs> one of those things. Matt, you just developed a Tordovian accent when you were talking about that. Oh, it isn't it? Pocket. Your pocket. They got mm-hmm. monsters. Monsters. <laughs> this episode, like, okay, the setup, and this really might, ju- I'm just going to go to my bad thing, makes no sense. I'm nope. Just, I, Brian really called out both our bad things in his summary, but that's... I didn't mean to, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that happened. Expand, expand. I it just, they recreated Earth's past on the holodeck and hypnotized everyone into thinking they live there to learn more about us. What? What? Yeah, he's is, like, I want to study my prey before. Well, I do fucking whatever, dude. Okay. What? It's basically it's a really long walk to get to kind of a fun, stupid episode. So I'm okay with that. Like I yeah, didn't. No, love it was it, it, was, it, it was, was all right. It, it, you know, it had everybody dressing in funny clothes and running around. Yeah, that's shooting, the thing. We talk about this. And, we like it when we see people cosplaying and pretending to be different guys and like, that's okay. And like, it, it didn't do the normal Braga script thing where it spent three acts explaining it to us. Like it's, it took a little mm-hmm. time explaining it, but most of the action happened in, in the situation. So it's dumb how they got there, but at least, you know, mm. at least they got actually, over it and got on with it. Just to be like emblematic of that, there are actually two very good scenes with Neelix, um, oddly enough, um, where he's, uh, he's, he's uh, transporting bread and wine on his uh, bicycle and uh, he gets stopped by the Nazis, and they're, like, looking into his stuff, and they're, like, dumping out the wine, looking for hidden messages in there and everything. And it's, like, actually, like, pretty, like, high tension. And, like, you know that Neelix thinks he's actually this baker. Uh, yeah, but or then they kill him, or so no, the Yeah, well, that was the other because, one that was actually yeah. kind of awesome. No, yeah, the Seven first of time nine was Seven of yeah. Nine was running around with a beret and a uh, pistol uh, mm-hmm. shooting at Nazis. And I was like... <laughs> All right, fun times. Yeah, hey, way to stumble upon my specific kink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get to that when we get to my good thing. Uh But but I just, like, my bad thing is just, like, getting there was stupid, but after that, I'm okay with it. But Matt, yours, yours also, uh, Brian touched on, but why don't you uh, expand on that a bit? Okay, so, um, so... Roxanne Higgs Boson is I pregnant. I actually like Brian's uh, Roxanne Big, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Riggs Murtaugh. Uh, that was yeah. Murtaugh, yeah. <laughs> so, Go ahead. she's pregnant. Bolana isn't. But Bolana is in the in the World War II simulation. So, what's in there exactly? Like, is she holographically pregnant? Has she just not taken her shirt off in three weeks? What's going on in there? Okay, well... When the episode opens, we get a brief little bit with uh, Kate as a Klingon. Yeah. Which also was pretty cool. She made a decent Klingon. But um, Yeah, she was good at that. 
But did they surgically alter her, or was See, that I as- weird? I assume they surgically break. altered her. Altered her. That was my assumption. But well, like, then. have they surgically have they surgically altered no, you Bellana know to be pregnant? Is there like a fucking like football in there? What's going on? When 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 she was in sick bay, she was still wearing her Klingon uniform, but she had oh, her right. uh, human face. Okay, so, so it must be yeah. a hologram. Okay. So she's got a hologram baby. <laughs> But she acts like she's carrying the weight, and she believes that it's there. Well, that's her her angramatic, her brain fing- programming, fing- fingal uh-huh. majigs. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I could not stop making overdrawn at the memory bank because yeah, they they were they were so hitting the Casablanca thing. <laughs> yep. And Considering how many Casablanca jokes I threw in there, I'm impressed I only did one overdrawn at the memory bank. <laughs> that's I could not stop thinking about it the whole time because because about- I could have done my Raul Julia impression. That my nuts. Not- Oh no, my testicles! <laughs> also, if you haven't no. seen, also if you haven't seen MST3K's Overdrawn in the Memory Bank, you can find it on YouTube. Super easy. Check it out. It's fu- It's a fucking classic. It is you a made-for-public-television movie starring one of the classiest and most talented actors ever. Mm-hmm. In, in his slummiest role, apart from maybe Street Fighter. No, Street Fighter. He was getting paid a lot for. He wasn't slum. Well, okay, <laughs> and also he was amazing in Street Fighter. Uh, well, he was amazing and overdrawn at the memory bank and for a certain value. I, d- d- all right, fine. He was fantastic in Street Fighter. Okay. I mean, come on. He's a, he's a Puerto Rican-American playing a man named Aram Fingal. <laughs> Whose mother is the whitest woman I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's ser- if you have never seen a single episode of Mystery Science Theater and you don't know where to start, it's not a show you need to watch in any order. Start with that one. It's like one of the best episodes they ever did. It is yep. so good. There's a... um. Uh, a version of uh, King Lear uh, I saw um, where he played uh, uh, Edgar and Paul Sorvino played his father. Uh, and if you've ever wanted to see the most acting you've ever seen in one scene, you put those two together. Acting! <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Well, I mean, he was he was Yeah, a good Rene, Aubers- play, Rene uh, Aubergenois was in that too, as uh, his well, brother. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's subtle the, Rene That's Aubergenois. the family. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorvino, Aubergenois, <laughs> and uh, Julia. Julia. Yeah, the no, he was an family. excellent choice for uh, for Gomez Adams because that's not exactly a subtle character. Either. No, but uh, I, I, I point is this, Star Trek. Yeah, this episode was fun. Like, yeah, it was, it was fine. Just goofy running around, you know. In and, and uh, Brian, what was your bad thing though? Since we're still talking about bad things. All right. Well, as I pointed out, and I've, I've been on holodeck episodes before, and they always do something that annoys the shit out of me. Sure, because holodecks make no sense. Um. I already mentioned in the summary, because apparently I was sniping everybody's bad thing, including my own, that they um, have a subplot that's happening several miles away. Uh, How? And it's, you know, it's a room or like a hallway or something because they've expanded it over the ship. Yeah. But the other thing is, in order to get to the holodeck access panel, it's inside the Nazi headquarters. So Seven of Nine has to sneak in and get to it. Again, how? Don't, yeah. Like, with the holodeck, like, the doors aren't in a special place. You just say, computer, doors, and there they are. No, it's supposed to be a trick of of, of projection and perspective and, like, uh, uh, what do you call it, treadmills? Yeah. So that it feels like you're walking further than you are, and optical illusions make things seem farther away, so, but it is supposed to be a small room. So if she's in Nazi headquarters, then, yeah, the thing would be in Nazi headquarters. If she's in the bar, then the thing should be in the bar. It's the mm-hmm. same room. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry, Brian. The holodeck hasn't made sense since Encounter at Farpoint. I don't expect it to start now. Well, it's just going to keep making less and less sense. Wait till next year. Not to spoil it. But actually, this episode it almost makes more sense because there's more holodeck room. At least there's that. Harold is uh, adjusting the projectors over the entire ship. There is an awesome quote in Memory Alpha where. Uh, Braga and Minoski say the entire reason they made Harry the only one not playing along with this fun, goofy, stupid adventure was because they Harry they didn't like Harry. He's like their least favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> they straight up said we don't know what to do with him. He's kind of terrible, so he got to be the one left out while everyone else got to p- wear cool costumes and run around in a period thing. <laughs> that's, why, that's why he uh, ends the run of the series still being an ensign after seven years. Well, no, because what they also said was, but then we discovered edgy Harry, and that's the cool angle of, of the character. I'm like, oh, oh, boy, wait, can't what? wait. Yeah. 
No, is that something we get to look forward to? We, uh, we, Harry? I'll, I'll tell you, you know what? I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump into my good thing here because right. yeah. it's actually connected to Harry. Um, okay. So I say the show continues to have a very good grasp of their characters, last episode notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the more dire circumstances and mind control offered by the plot, they still shine out. Even the worst characters, Harold, Chakotay, and Neelix, are the best versions of themselves that we've occasionally seen before. No, I would agree with that. You I know, actually... Neelix is like... A little scared and a little dangerous, but very loyal. Like, we mm-hmm. liked that Neelix when we've seen him, like, actually yeah, early on, doing yeah. shit yeah. before, you know. Um, Chakotay, we like him when he's, like, the sensible but still approachable regular guy kind of guy. Yeah. Um, you know, as we see, we always see the best of him when he's trapped on a planet somewhere or whatever, and he gets to just be regular Joe. That is his um, favorite thing to do. That's, that's, what, that's what works for him, and he's playing the American captain here, and... Yeah, he's like he's like being authoritative, but he's still having like a conversation with his lieutenant, and like it's it's good Chicote. Mm-hmm. And Harold out there on the ship is a Harold we've never seen before. He's a little sarcastic. He's a little dark. He's a little edgy. And you know what? It's actually kind of working for him. No, the, you're not the wrong. The erosion are making him fix the entire ship, mm-hmm. basically by himself. There's like one other guy we see at one point, and. You know, he's not putting up with it, and he's being a little sassy to them, because he knows they need him. He's a better Harold than we've seen in a long time, but to call him edgy, I think, might be taking it a bit far. All yeah, he does yeah. is make some smart-ass quips. That's yeah. for, for lack of... Well, that's that's my quote, but if you want, we can put that here. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so this is um, when he um, uh, goes and um, pulls a pretty impressive bluff on the Herosian commander, who's ordering him to show him some uh, performance logs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do as I say. All right. But you'd better call the bridge. Tell your superior I'm going to be late. That I'm working under your orders now, not his. Go ahead. Make the call. I don't want to take the blame for this. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's not bad, but it, again, yeah, it's no, still I mean, like, like it's sort like, of like entry level Tom Paris type stuff. Yeah. It's not really like full on like interesting character stuff. No, no, no absolutely but not. But it's still I like this a lot better than I liked uh, uh, yeah, by Harold standards. Yeah, what is it, boy Harold? Like the last time we saw hardcore Harry, we it was <laughs> uh, what do you call it? The um, with the, the GoPro pit. strapped to his head, or not the pit? The shoot. Oh the la- god. The la- and this is better than this than that by miles. Like, well, that's true. By miles, miles. <laughs> oh man, takes me back. Uh, no, you you guys are not wrong. Mm. Like, I still didn't find. Like, I just I kept wanting to get back to the action. Like, mm-hmm. I kept wanting to see. And I'll just jump into my good thing here. Like, I don't usually go with the superficial pretty ladies thing because I try to be better than that. But you know what? The 40s look really worked on the ladies in the crew. Yes, it did. Especially Kate. Mm -hmm. Kate is what you call a handsome woman. She doesn't usually turn my head. She's just kind of like, she's the teacher. I respect her. She's not glamorous. She's got to carry all the authority. mm -hmm. I don't think of her that way. But I, I still definitely find, like, authoritative women attractive. I can. But she, mm-hmm. like, physically just usually is not my type. Just isn't. But this this look yeah, where she's got that hair, the makeup, and the costuming, she did kind of turn my head. I did suddenly have a bit of a crush on her. and I Yeah, they oh, did, like, a little Marlena Dietrich thing with her. They put her in a tuxedo. And- that, that Moulin Rouge tux is fucking nice. They mm-hmm. always put her in what I call the creamy white bang. <laughs> <laughs> this is an obscure reference, and I'm, I'm going to backtrack just so, so people know what? where this comes from. What? An obscure reference on this program? I, I am shocked. Shocked. This is not only an Arrested Development reference, but an Arrested Development uh, DVD commentary reference. <laughs> the season two finale of Arrested Development, uh, Lucille is wearing uh, an all-white suit. that she, she actually doesn't get a ton to do in the episode, but she said, I told the costuming people that if this is our last episode, I really want to go out with a bang. And I want to go out with a creamy white bang. And <laughs> for the whole rest of the episode, the rest of the cast is just ragging on her for creamy white bang. Okay, well. <laughs> so now every time I see like a, an older woman in a white suit, I just think creamy white bang. Again. Uh, here comes Lucille in her creamy white bang. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of it as a little <laughs> suit. Oh, God damn it. I no. have to. Bleeping. You ah. bleeped. The, um, Fair enough. You're going to prison, Brian. Look, did you see the title of this episode? I held back. I did. <laughs> but the uh, the thing is, Kate wears these, like, she wore that in the 90s as well when they went back in time. And uh, there was another time where she wore an all-white thing. I think it was uh, Neelix's, like, uh, Talaxian party. Yeah. I wore my Miami Vice suit. Yeah. 
Which they should just put her in the Admiral Kirk suit from uh, motion picture and just be done with it. Mm. But uh, in any case, the the 40s look really worked for her. It's a good look for her. They they let her hair get a little fancier because obviously she's... By the way, I'd just like to say after all the trouble they had in the earlier seasons, her hair game has been pretty on point lately. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They finally found something that looks suitably... You know, professional for a captain, but isn't just like a bun. Sure, but also, I I think Amanda pointed out like the other the other hair was a bit impractical. You can't imagine her fixing her hair for an hour before going to work. She just doesn't exactly. seem like that kind of person. Like she takes care of herself, mm. but she's not a primp in the mirror forever. Yeah, it was the same thing with Kira back in the day, who I missed by the way. <laughs> if that hasn't been obvious, <laughs> I think that might have come up once or twice. Mm. But also, I want to call out that seven like. Sexy, not in a skin-tight suit or deep cleavage way, but in a just a sultry, like like her her singing thing. Yeah, super hot. Yeah, yeah. Just, I remember her own singing. Apparently, this is this this story is going to sound like a little bit more of a journey of self-discovery than it's going to turn out to be. I remember watching this episode as a child, um, or I guess I was like about like fourteen or so. Mm-hmm. See what it's, see what it sounds like already. I'm getting to it. I was surprised by how much hair she had because. Well, she usually keeps it all like tied yeah. up in that oh, like extremely intricate like twist ponytail thing, and I I thought it was like a wig or something, and then it was the following week when I saw her again, I was like, oh, she's actually got that much hair. It's just yeah. all hiding up in that yeah, like see that. bizarre fancy bun she has. No, she so, she looked she looked great. Yeah, but and then she let her hair down literally near the end. They did a nice tactical turtleneck thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that was also pretty hot. And I, I just, I enjoyed it. Like, I don't, again, I don't usually. Well, they were going into the danger zone. Yeah, absolutely. They were. Balana. Balana. <laughs> uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, what was my good thing? I know I had one. Oh, Skeletons. haha. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's a great shot where we follow the head predator fellow into Kate's office, which he has redecorated in stupid bones and trophies. <laughs> and there is a full on Halloween skeleton hung in a net. And it made me laugh and laugh and laugh. Now, was that ironic laughter or did you genuinely? No, it was wonderful. I clapped my hands in delight. <laughs> uh, you do love a good skeleton. I really do. No, just like, I'm watching, and I do what I always fucking do, which is pay attention to what the fuck's going on in the background, and there's a full goddamn Halloween hang-on-the-door skeleton just tossed into a fucking sack and hung on the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was wonderful, Al. It was the best time I had. <laughs> Noted skeleton enthusiast, Matt Robot. Uh Also a big fan of World War II skeleton. World War II skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> Hey man! Hey, World War II skeleton, buy war bonds. <laughs> hey man, I have to defeat the Nazi, the Nazi power. That's the thing. Even the bad guys back then would have been fighting the Nazis. Oh yeah, uh, it's that uh, you know the Joker in the Captain America crossover. Yep, I may be or, an, I may be a maniac, but I'm a patriot. <laughs> or no, 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 that was um, was it? I may be a lunatic, but I'm an American lunatic. Yeah, that's, that the, was um, it. Yeah, I think it was the wasn't the Rocketeer. I may be a gangster, but I'm a patriot. Yep, <laughs> that sounds right. Wait, that was um, Paul Sorvino again. Could circles be. within circles, guys. Yep. Um, and I'm also a big fan of World War II 7 as uh, basically Madame Marie from DC Comics. <laughs> <laughs> the beret, really cool. the Luger, the whole thing. What's that? The beret, the Luger, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. That was no, a quality was, beret. Yeah. It absolutely was. Beret game is almost as on point as Kate's hair. <laughs> there was, there, I, going back to the Nazi guys, there was actually, I genuinely enjoyed the scene between the Herogen guy and the, the holographic Nazi where he's talking about, like, so you guys believe in the master race and you believe you're superior. Mm. And, uh, yes. And he's kind of, like, poking holes in all the logic. And, uh, you know, it's easy to do. It's easy to do 40, 50 years after the fact to say, hey, these guys were wrong. I mean, it, it the, hardly the takes thing that you know. I'm, I'm thinking carefully about how to phrase this because I have watched next week's episode and I don't want to give anything away. But all right. at that point when I was watching this, I was thinking... I was already thinking, because I was like about 20 minutes in or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already thinking, this is going to be a rough to make it a two-parter. Yeah. And I was thinking, if anything can save it, it's going to be that captain. Because mm-hmm. he's got, like, yeah, it's a weird thing that he's like, we're just going to play games with the humans on the holiday. Yeah, I don't get that. Um, But, like, he's that scene was intriguing. Because the, the Nazi commander, male Nazi yeah. commander, um, he didn't get a name either. Even though he is Bolana's baby daddy, mm-hmm. um, was like, "Oh yes, well we are superior. Well, why? 
what makes you so much better than them? Yeah. Well, we, no, it was, we, I like we just are. And then that made that guy suspicious, too, which was, like, a neat little thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. why is why, why is the commander being all about this? What's wrong? Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I also expected that Nazi guy to be Tom Paris, and that did not happen. <laughs> I, th- I feel like they probably had that idea, and then we're like, mm-hmm. Like, Tom hadn't shown up at that point. I'm like, where the fuck is Tom Paris? Well, at the, at the very beginning... Oh, hey, had- here's a white guy. At the very beginning, you had Kate pretending to be a Nazi sympathizer so she wouldn't arouse suspicion. I'm like, mm. oh, God, are we really expected to believe that our heroes are Nazi? Oh, okay, never mind. But I actually bought it for a second. Mm-hmm. I thought play that it. was part of play the Play it, Tuvok. Play as time goes by. <laughs> I did like all their all their jobs in that, in that situation were analogous to their actual jobs. Yeah, Janeway like, ran the place, uh, you know. Bolana was uh, doing engineering type stuff, Tuvok was doing weapon type stuff. <laughs> Tuvok was standing behind a bar. <laughs> right, like he does. <laughs> no, that was his that was his front, but he was the weapons guy. Mm-hmm. And they they were just they were all doing roles that were very similar to and Neelix brought them food. Like it yeah. was it was very similar to their real jobs. I like that. It was a nice Yeah, it was it was a yeah, it was it was a good thing. Um presumably the same thing happened when Neelix was a Klingon. Yeah. Apparently By the way, made, uh, uh, apparently they made him put on the whole, the full Talaxian makeup, and then they put Klingon makeup on top of that. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to do it instead of designing new makeup from the ground up. I suppose, but I kind of feel bad for Ethan Phillips there, and I, that's not something I say lightly. <laughs> that's rough, man. I will say this. If we were listing the people in the show that could best and worst play a Klingon, they both got to in this episode. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's fair. I think any of the captains would play did, um, convincing Klingons. Oh yeah, well, Cis- Cisco, Cisco presence. did, and Klingon, and uh, and yeah. uh, Kate did. So yep. that's two now. And yeah, and you know, Picard would have. Think I think Archer does. Yeah. I think he does a Klingon disguise episode at one point. I, I'm sorry, but once again, I just jumped to cartoon Archer, Sterling and, Archer, uh, yeah. P- yeah. and Picard was the arbiter of succession for the Klingon Empire. So that's that, kind right. of the same thing. That shit's gonna get real confusing when we get to Enterprise. Kapla. <laughs> <laughs> Kapla. <laughs> Today's a good uh, day to die, Lana. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, overall, like, I, I, I kind of enjoyed this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it was, was dumb. It was, it was super dumb. But it was fun. Yeah. And I yeah. don't see how they're going to wring a second part out of this. Well, you actually, know. you know what? Here's the yeah. thing. I, like I said, I was about to comment on that, but I know and I'm afraid of giving something away. So I'm just going to say, I won't say yes or no. What do you guys think is going to happen? Give me some predictions. I assume I'm pulling, I'm pulling you get a drama teacher. Thank you you. get a bit. You get a big ass hole in the holodeck. I assume you're going to have a bunch of different uh, war simulations running into each other. Oh, see, I kind of assume they're going to gradually wake up each of the uh, hypnotized guys until they finally get everyone together, and then they make a big strike against the bad guy. No, I'm fully expecting Chakotay and the men of Easy Company to run into fucking uh, Neelix and uh, oh, his you mean the the U.S. Marines' third infantry of bland guys. Right? Yeah, exactly. The the very same. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Good predictions. Well, we'll pick this up tomorrow, class. Matt, don't say <laughs> fucking <laughs> shit. You're in eighth God grade. Don't. It. You're in eighth grade. Stop cursing. Ha- I'm just kidding. I can't make eighth graders stop cursing. That fucking happened to me in eighth grade. <laughs> uh, that stood. Yeah. <laughs> you you gotta you gotta learn when to overlook it. Mm-hmm. If if they're making a good point and they get like all you know. Uh, uh, like uh, excited about something, and, yeah. and they let one slip. I would, I would just ignore. No, it. I, spe- I, I especially can't get angry if they're in uh, one of my shows because they hear enough of it out of me. Yeah, right. Listen, you, you think I curse a lot now? <laughs> uh, they all just learned those words. <laughs> what else? Uh, uh, what else? I, gotta, I there was a thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, right, the Herosian Doctor. Um, mm-hmm. he's terrible. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you. Oh yeah, the doctor yeah, keeps trying to say you, you, you fix him. Ruined him. Yeah. yeah you you f- fix him now. And that guy's <laughs> listed in the credits as Herosian medic. Uh huh. So this is like supposed to be his job. He's not just like a security guy watching the doctor. Uh, see, that was my assumption. Just like uh, they just pick some dude and put him on. Nah, you stitch these very, fuckers up. It's very antithetical to their whole idea to. Uh, Fix another species. They kill other species. That's their whole point. Yeah. All right. You're going to be working with the doctor, which makes you a. Uh, let me just check this dictionary here. Me dick. 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, do that. I don't Just know walk how. around saying, me dick. Fix <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, he was played, by the way, by uh, Mark Metcalf, uh, uh-huh. who was the, the master from Buffy. Oh, I assumed uh, brother slash, of uh, slash of the show uh, Chuck Niedermeyer Metcalf. from Animal House. Ah, never so. seen Animal House. It's one of those just like blind spots. No, no I haven't either. I assume at this point it's not it's worth it. One, like we were talking briefly about Citizen Kane and how it's better than a lot of people expect, or Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you expect these to be movies that can't live up to the hype or that they're dated now, and they're they're actually quite good. Uh, Animal House doesn't live up to the hype and it's pretty yeah. dated now. Yeah, there, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm not that was hilarious at the time and is mm-hmm. now just horrible. Yeah. I've yeah. seen it. It's like if you're not, you know, a 20 year old in the 70s, you're not going to get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, watch a best of compilation on YouTube and you'll get all the good bits. Mm. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up about this episode was uh, at one point they're going through different scenarios that they could act out. And one of them is the Battle of Wolf 359. And. Which brings us back to Overdrawn at the Memory Bank. Don't play a good episode in your bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? Final thoughts? Um, um, the uh, end of the opening stinger uh, featured the least badass line being said, attempted to be said in the most badass way. Because it opens with an immediate rest of uh, Janeway as a Klingon fighting like corrosion. And it was like it was a really neat thing, and it got a lot of mystery. Um, and then their way of revealing that, yes, in fact, this is the captain, etc., was that the Hiroshian that she was fighting said, Janeway requires medical assistance. <laughs> and I'm like, you're trying your best, dude, but there's no way to make that sound cool. Well, and he's also yelling into a tiny comm badge that he's holding weird. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, they all have they have little handheld comm badges, but they don't, like, flip open, or they're just, like, little thingamajigs. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not a good look for them. What? I like their, uh... Okay. Sorry, what... The, uh, I like the Hiroshian outfits. I don't think you guys have specifically called that out yet. The, I'm not a big fan of the big blue sculpted action really? figurine kinda, looking uniforms that they I wear. Think they're they're a little different. I like that they're like kind of like iridescent and they're like blue and yeah, they do look a little action figurine, right? Like, like they look like outfit. fucking rock warriors. <laughs> I am indifferent to their outfits. I do like their makeup. Mm. I do like I, the yeah, overall design of the aliens. Could throw on a few extra nostrils, I guess. But well, I mean, who couldn't? <laughs> yeah. Six or seven uh, extra nostrils, that's all. A baker's dozen of nostrils. Right. What is it with bakers? They just can't count nostrils. <laughs> baker's dozen. I, Eleven. I think my baker's been ripping me off. <laughs> Matt, any final thoughts? Nah, I think we're done here. Yeah. All right. So, Brian, you were telling us that you have something new to promote. Oh, yeah, yeah. I your, got... Um, uh, the, the blog entry that you'd be rushing out to uh, <laughs> coincide with this appearance. Uh, I'll tell you this. I am going to try to uh, rush out a blog entry, uh, as I always do. The blog uh, actually has actually, a real, reason. Real quick, oh. real quick, but before yep. I forget, uh, your brother Flonk has been reviewing oh, yeah, yeah, the animated series on his blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why am I, I watching .blogspot.com? Mm. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention that because it is Star Trek related and Flonk is a regular guest on this show and go check it out. It's funny stuff and it's, it's different r- stuff than what we said on this show. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 real real quality stuff and he's he's updating very regularly now. Yes, uh, he which is. Anyway. we all know how that goes. To the shock um, of all of us including him. <laughs> please resume your plug. Um so yeah, so I like I said I am going to try to get uh, something out on my uh, regular blog, but I took some time off from it intentionally uh, this time cuz I I read a book. No kidding. Um, yeah, it's a, it's just a little short one, but um, I was well. Speaking of um, you know uh, things, I tell my students and uh, um, you know telling kids not to curse. Uh, I get a lot of requests because I'm a drama teacher for movie recommendations. Mm. Uh, the kids are like, you know, what movies should we watch? And I talk a lot about movies in class and stuff. And so I decided to uh, put that into book form. The working title, which will change by the time this is available for purchase, it's not yet, is The Mr. Lynch Guide to Good Movies You Can Feel Classy About Watching. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's a... The Mr. Lynch was school for kids who can't read good. <laughs> and it's, you know, I got um, uh, comedy, drama, animation, world cinema, short film... Uh, horror, action, adventure, and mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like six or seven movies in each category. And, you know, it's a combination of some really classic old stuff, like uh, um, uh, Casablanca, you know, to pull, mm-hmm. pull an easy reference. Uh, some recent stuff that uh, may have gotten, you know, unnoticed, like uh, Paddington, uh, mm-hmm. which got no buzz in the States, but is uh, quite an excellent little film. Oh, uh, and it's, oh, yeah. I, I'm like, shocked to hear that. As it's super good. Um, huh. 
and it's got uh, so what I did was I uh, for everything I gave the the a quote the year of release director stars plot uh, a little note and a trivia thing mm. and Paddington's got probably my favorite trivia in the book which is that Nicole Kidman learned how to throw knives for the movie <laughs> and somehow I'm it. shocked that Nicole Kidman did not already know how to throw knives no 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 I'm, it gets better she did it so much on set that the producers had to tell her to like cut it out because <laughs> they were like worried about somebody getting hurt <laughs> Why? And then never the mind. scene where her character throws knives got cut. <laughs> <laughs> like, they never even filmed it. It got cut from the script. Oh, man. So she was just doing I assume doing she was throwing tricks. knives at, at the dad as Lord Grantham from uh, from Downton Abbey? Well, her whole thing is that she wants to kill Paddington. Oh, okay. Um, and to, make a, to, to make a suit out of, right? Of course. <laughs> To uh, stuff her couch it, with. Yeah, but I say, I say it's 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 a uh, a you know a, a very good charming movie about a bear that is also a surprising insightful examination of the immigrant experience in Britain. Oh well, very topical right now then. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, because yeah, I, stuff, I had to so. be reminded by Matt that he's from Peru, which I did. Darkest know. Peru. Right. Darkest Peru. They Bruce. they don't say that quite so much in the uh, movie as they did in the uh, Probably books. Probably good to back off from that, yeah. I never also, it uh, never occurred to me that that was that, that was racist until right well, it, now. It yeah, wasn't kind of at the time, but it sort of has as so many things from the colonial era era, it's become racist. I just assumed it was a particularly dark part of Peru. Um and uh Mrs. Bird isn't their housekeeper anymore. She's just an, a relative that lives with them. Mm. They did have to update a little bit cuz uh you know Middle-class people don't have live-in housekeepers anymore. Mm. Now, riddle me this, Brian. How much of it is? How much of Paddington is played by a stuffed animal walking around in front of cardboard cutouts? Uh, unfortunately, none. It is a computer-animated bear all the way through. Ass. I know. Well, look for that. Al, that's with- a 90s The Kids thing. I don't even think no, that's know, an 80s kids thing. I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure Paddington predates you guys. That no, might even the, be a 70s kids the thing. The Paddington animated about it. series. Oh, really? That, oh, I don't know. I only know from when it was on Nickelodeon. So. Oh, uh, see, I was something. There was something on USA Network because it also ran with uh, Simon, who did the drawings. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not Mike Myers, but a thing where Simon. A thing did like drawings. that. Yeah. No, he, the um, as a as a small boy in Canada, we we got a lot of British uh, oh, uh, children's programming. Yeah, like Trunkles. Um, and uh, Rainbow. The uh, Anyway, point is, um, there's an as-yet-untitled uh, movie review book. It's good stuff. It's intended for kids the ages of, like, 11 to 13 who are starting to get into, like, wanting to watch real good movies. Sure. Because there's so much shit out there for <laughs> kids. Like, they, they, yeah. there's, they, they tell me what movies. I make the kids write movie reviews in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's their first assignment. And there's so much garbage, they say. And so that's when, like, they gotta have some good stuff. And hey, stuff. come on, yeah. kids! You got Netflix now. There's good movies like available sometimes to you sometimes until sometimes. they take them away from you again. Yeah, it's, that's it's spotty there. Um, go watch Escape from like LA, that, all of you. Go watch Escape from LA. Stuff. You know. All right. Well, as this promotion enters hour five, we're probably <laughs> going to wrap things up here. Well, if we so. didn't get distracted talking about Paddington all the time. <laughs> Brian, so. we'll take up this discussion the next time we hang out again. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm interested, but our listeners yeah. may be wa- their, their interest may be waning, especially since this isn't a thing they can get yet. <laughs> Point is, can't buy it yet. You will be able to hopefully the next time I'm on. I know mm. I'm pretty early next season, so. Well, and and if it happens in the meantime, we will happily plug it in your absence. Yes, so, absolutely. I'll let you know. Check that out. And uh, next week we will cover part two of uh, the Killing Game, and uh, hopefully another episode that isn't uh, an allegory for someone being raped and ignored. That would be nice. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. You should mention that. Mm. Yeah. Look forward to that. Mm. Yep. See you, folks. Mm. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. <laughs>